okay we are motherfucking here and doing it oh my goodness okay we live we live we live it's working it's working god hi deja how are you how you feeling i'm feeling good i just woke up from a nap i'm about to make myself a coffee a uh, coffee <laughs> coffee and i'm ready to rock and roll yes ma'am so guys we um if you couldn't tell are coming to you via phone what do you even call this phone chat <laughs> calling <laughs> call in, like whatever you call it uh we haven't done it like this in quite a while so we're hoping that the technology gods are working with us um mercury is not in retrograde so we shouldn't have any problems this should be working uh, yes um yeah so we're gonna talk about pleasure as you guys know, it is pleasure. pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> it's pleasure part three, the third part to the series, the final part. Um, I'm hoping after this we go into like a conversation about sexual liberation in the future. Um, I thought about adding that into this part, but I think this part is going to be long as is. So mm, uh, we'll definitely we can do another uh, conversation about sexual liber- liberation and maybe that'll be like a spinoff to this. Um, but yeah, guys, this is the third part. It's pleasure part three. Um, I'm, excited. I'm excited too. I'm really ready. My notes are popping. You know the vibes. Um so I want to say, before we jump in, um, do, I mean, I don't hmm. know if we should do a weekly update, because we typically don't when we have pleasure talks, because you know how I can get. Um, <laughs> so you want to just share one super fun thing that happened this week since we last talked to them? Um, I honestly want to say my day today. Um, I was able to take Coco out on the bus, on the train. We went no and got shit. coffee. She had a puppuccino today, her first puppuccino. Oh my um, god. It was just a whole cute ass little adventure of me being like a little pet parent. So yes. <laughs> I love that. I honestly would have to say that's my highlight because she was so good and I was so surprised. So I was like, oh my god, okay, look at this. Look at this. Period. Okay. Go off, sis. I love that. Shout out to Coco. That's my day. That's doggy. my day. Little baby doggy did her thing today. Yes. Um, okay, so my highlight would probably be um so I'm back on hand. Was <laughs> <laughs> that for that TikTok? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. I sent Deja a TikTok, y'all, and it made me get back on hand. Um, uh, but again, I'm having a great fucking time. Um, I'm talking to this one guy who's really cool and really dope. I'm talking to another guy who I'm a, probably going to unmatch because uh, they're 20 <laughs> um, and they're giving very much young. Like, I don't know. Like, the texts oh. are giving very much young. And I was like, ugh, I can't. <laughs> um, but there's this one guy. I will not say his name. Um, he is my age. We love that. Um, mm-hmm. He's fucking... I think he's so fine. Um, and... Uh, I think I have a little crush on him, and that's great. Oh, that for me. Because the way this person talks to me is so freaking But cute. can we first say how surprised it is that these are all guys? Like, hello. I know. I what know. I know. Someone send help. What is happening? <laughs> I know. But, bro, I, like, genuinely have a crush. And I think it started because yesterday, like, he was going to the gym. And he would, he mm-hmm. communicated the fact that he was going to the gym and told Ooh. me his schedule afterwards. He was like, I'm going to the gym right now, so I'm not going to be able to talk. I get home around 8, but then I shower and make my, like, my shake, my smoothie or whatever. Yeah. And, like, the communication was like, oh, wow. No <laughs> it did it for me. Way. It did it for okay. me. Okay. Um, okay. And ever since then, the relation or the the talks have been really great. Um, wow, I almost said relationship. That's clearly <laughs> on my mind. Um, but yeah, so that's my fun little highlight, I guess, of the this week so far. I'm excited for you. Okay, girl, me too. <laughs> He's gonna listen to our podcast because, like, we got on the topic of that, and now I'm a little stressed. I'm like, damn. Oh, trying man. to like think of everything I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> um, a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was like, yikes. Okay, it's okay though. 
I mean, I guess. Like, do I really want him to know me like that for real yet? Like, come on, relax. I mean, baby steps. Uh, baby steps for sure, but you gonna get it? You gonna get it now? Now, never. I guess. Well, I mean, true, <laughs> valid, valid. Um, but yeah, okay, guys, let's get right into this. Uh, pleasure part three. This time we are looking at pleasure, uh, from the lenses of relationships and sharing that pleasure and finding pleasure with a partner. Um, Because, of course, after your long, beautiful journey of finding pleasure with yourself and discovering and experimenting, you then, for most of us, share it with someone or multiple people. Um, And before we jump into that, I want to reflect on how how far we've come since starting this. Um, Deja... Mm. Um, motherfucking <laughs> came far, okay. Pun intended. She's motherfucking came, okay, far. All right, and we love to see it. Um, she has not only gotten into masturbation as an act of self care and self love, but listen, listen, I'm listening. I'm listening. Deja out here giving herself experiences that the guys from her past could never, okay. Okay, I'm just saying, like, it's been a great time. <laughs> Tell me not, Deja. It's been a marvelous, amazing, serendipity, fucking amazing time. Like, t- <laughs> And then on my end, I feel like this has made me really intentionally release, like, a lot of guilt and shame around my pleasure and how I sit with it and push through it. And I'm now faithfully having regular orgasms as a self, uh, as an act of self-love and self-care. Um, but also as an act of healing. So, you know, this journey has been very nice, I think, for the both of us. Um, I'm glad that you're back doing it with yourself. Okay, then, girl. Oh, period. Yeah, every morning now. Um, <laughs> no way. Way, uh, way, girl, way. Oh um, it's great. It's a great time. To, great way to start my morning. Um, we love to see it. Um, my morning routine is actually changing a little bit, which is really cool um, because I've had the same morning routine for quite a while. Um, so this is going to be fun. I'm excited. I'll share that with you guys in another episode. Um, but I just wanted to say to the listeners, like, reach out to us and share how these pleasure episodes have impacted you um, and if it's had any impact on how you view pleasure and masturbation, etc., um but yeah I we would love to hear about that and um Deja I would love to know also with all of this exploration um have you gotten into watching or listening to erotic films or stories uh I think I had tried once and I'm not gonna lie to you I think my google search may have failed me (laughs) yes in the sense that I don't know if I was googling what I needed to be googling correctly or what in all honesty because nothing was showing up um so no lately I've kind of just been using my imagination it's really just been my imagination getting me through I love that for you. I love that so much. Um, have there been any like fetishes or like sex style styles that you've um, either been exploring or want to explore because of this journey? Um, what you mean? Is it like that test we took the last time we were all together or no? I mean, just anything on this journey, like since you since we started this conversation to now, like has there been any sexual styles or experiences or fetishes that you've learned about or that has come up that has piqued your interest Mm, well okay recently I did the the what is um peaking so like you would stop like you get kind of excited and then you stop so like oh oh edging 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 yes that instead of peaking (laughs) so I've been doing that a little bit more or trying to understand but so I also got this um as funny as this sound I've been trying to pay attention more to my breath so that mm-hmm. I don't reach such an extreme climax. Because I've noticed that obviously the rose is capable of doing its thing. Mm-hmm. And the sense where you're like fucking like squirting is your ultimate like ah. But I've been trying to not have that be my always ah. So I've been mm-hmm. trying to like edge with myself. Um, I'll do like a lot of, it seems like scenario play rolling where I'm in the bed and I'm like, okay, come on. Like, yes, like do it all to me. Like I'm here, I'm waiting. So like, right. that seems to be where most of my fantasies go. Nice. Or it's this, this ultimate like pleasure, this playing with like, oh, I just want you to feel good. You being me ultimately. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's been my, my top three recently. 
Okay, so like edging, um, breath, like breathing techniques and role mm-hmm. play. Yeah. Nice. I love that. That's dope. Um, yeah, okay. And how will you bring what you've learned and experienced and experimented into your next relationships? Girl, I have been trying to figure that out, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> because obviously you feel me like we we got a beautiful friend who's very like sexual and he was like yeah like you know if you or, and i think you do one of y'all brought it up but like if you bring it like the toys into the room it's definitely different in the sense of like the amount of like, pressure and like mm-hmm. what's going on so i've just been trying to navigate how i would even have that discussion or like what the hell it is that if i'm even willing to do that type of thing but okay. um i've also just been trying to keep in mind my pleasure because I feel I've noticed um recently with a lot of relationships I tend to just kind of let myself go in a lot of things so I don't want to do that again I wanted to be all about me because I'm all about me right now with these toys so I need to be all about me <laughs> so, okay so you I need to remember be, like, that yeah intentional in your yeah relationship. okay that's nice I love that um and do you think with like the, all the sex that you've had so far especially including what you've had with yourself do you think that you've had your best sexual experience yet? Oh my god, I think so. Yeah. Really? You think you have your your best? Can well your best so far or best? Like I think ever? with myself, best so far. Honestly, I okay. think would have to be with myself recently. I don't know. I just feel like maybe I'm falling in love with myself okay. in ways I haven't before. That I think that's why, like, when I have those moments or like am able to set up and like, you know, do such a thing to myself, it just feels so like magical it just feels more than just like ah like a release obviously but it's just like wow like okay yeah. i don't know yeah it's like you're able to reconnect with yourself and your body in ways that you haven't before yes that's really yeah. what it feels like <sighs> yes that's beautiful i love that that's really beautiful um okay and since we're talking about relationships i have to know what do you find attractive in a guy and in a woman this answer is of course ever evolving so it's always nice to continually like check in as you evolve um but as you are now what is it what is it that i find attractive in a in a guy and then in a in a girl yeah okay hmm I think with a guy, it's definitely a physique. Like, you need to be tall and kind mm-hmm. of somewhat, like, fit, but not super skinny, but, like, not super chubby. So okay. I think it's definitely body physique. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find attractive is a beautiful smile on a guy. Like, if you have a smile, you're, you melted me. I'm melted. I'm, you're winning. No, you got me. You're winning. Uh, yes. <laughs> you're winning. You got it. Yes. <laughs> Um, with a lovely lady, I think what I find attractive is a woman that's like curvy Ooh, and got yeah. some ass and titties <laughs> because I like both. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and who's very intellectual and curious and kind of speak for herself? Like, hmm. I can pick up her brain. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, okay so for me I don't think that I've had my best sexual experience yet Um, I think there's so much more to learn and explore and get into um, and I'm excited for all of that Um, I feel like what I've learned and experimented with so far the way that I'll bring that into my next relationships because I think most of it for me was like releasing you know shame and guilt and healing Mm -hmm. and the way that I'll bring that into my next relationships is to just be intentional about like um continuing that practice of of releasing shame of releasing guilt and healing and learning how to do that allowing myself to learn how to do that with a person with a partner with a lover or partners um and what do I find attractive in a guy um I think with guys right off the bat like you have to be like overtly respectful towards and about women and not just the ones that you find attractive also like I with like how deeply ingrained misogyny is in our culture like anything that even gives me a slight red flag about how like you view women is like an immediate no like immediate no (laughs) um like I saw a hinge profile the other day that said like 
um, I think it was like, what are you looking for in someone? Something like that. I forget the question, but like in his answer, he said, um, like, you shouldn't like, don't be on Instagram showing too much or something like that. And I was, it was immediately no. So immediately no. Like, so if someone's on Instagram showing a lot or whatever, what does that mean to you? Like, do you respect them less? Do you treat them differently? Do you view them differently? Like, I don't know. It was just giving very much red flag. So if, you're like I need to see an overt respect towards an about woman period um I think what else is attractive with guys is when they're very like openly communicative and are emotionally intelligent or at the very base minimum emotionally aware um because I feel like and I understand like our culture does allow men to not have to be emotionally aware and in a lot of ways it kind of forces them not to be emotionally in tune with themselves Mm -hmm. um so I understand that but at some point you have to take charge of your own like journey your own healing and your own reparenting and be freaking intentional about that stuff um so emotional like intelligence and awareness is a must I think physical attributes would be like lips oh child I'm a lip person. <laughs> ah! I'm a lip person if I don't fantasize about kissing your lips 25 8 then like what are we even doing for real like <laughs> what are we even I, doing <laughs> like I can't um I do prefer for the person to be taller than me and like have a more athletic physical build or just mm-hmm. at least show that you know you care about your physical body um because I'm learning more about like how athletic your body looks in comparison to like your dna and like how your your genetics actually plays a big part in all that so i'm learning to be a lot more aware of that um Mm. but just like a just showing that like you care about your body and you care about the temple that is housing your soul um and uh for ladies i love um gentle kind woman uh i don't like mean girls not at all um and I like for a woman to be and appear very feminine um I don't think I don't subscribe to the idea that in a girl and girl relationship that one has to be the masculine I think we can both be the feminine um and if we're you know we have that balance within us we'll uh tap into our divine masculine when needed and allow ourselves to really reside in the feminine most of the time if we do identify as feminine um I do, I don't, I, I'm more into femininity, femininity than I am into like certain body things. So it's not like you have to have a fat ass and, you know, big thing. <laughs> not like that, but like, I do love like a, a feminine appearance and I don't really know how to like, how to really describe that. And I think for both, I'm more of a mannerism person than I am anything else. So you could be a 10 but if your mannerisms or the way you carry yourself is not giving for me, then I don't like it's a no. And you could dead be a four. But if your mannerisms are giving to me, you are a 10 in my eyes. Like it's like mm. I'm very much into like how you carry yourself. Are there certain things that you say or do or like uh, carry your your body or whatever that is just like, oh, that's giving. It's giving. You know, like if, if there's stuff like that, then you're you could be a four. But in my head, you're a 10. Like it don't matter. Um, so yeah that's my thing that's my whole thing with that um and I asked that because we are going to start this conversation off of um turn-ons getting turned on by people what does it even mean to get turned on by another person Deja in your opinion in your words and words uh turn on to me is one I feel that like ooh, it's like a quick table <laughs> like chills are running up through my body type of energy um I feel like some turn on immediately comes to me as like a a tipple or a lick on the neck or like near the ear area mm. um a hand gesture I, I'm very touchy so I feel like I start rubbing my hands or like fingers slowly mm. and there and again somebody so I feel like anything like that will do the exact same to me um I'm trying to I want to say cute talk but like not really <laughs> like not I'm trying to really, think of yeah. like how to explain it in a way but um there's certain talk to a certain extent they kind of get you I think aroused in a way mm. um but yeah those I think are some things that will, will turn me on mm, I love to see it so I definitely want to go into the definition of desire because I feel like a main part of 
turn on and being turned on is desiring someone. Um, so sex scientists define desire as a sexual attraction to someone or something mm-hmm. and motivation to seek out sexual activity. Uh, this mm. makes it sound like a sort of like spontaneous, uncontrollable thing that just appears whenever. Like, I feel like that definition of desire sounds a little bit like if you watched a movie and like they see each other and they just rip off their clothes and start fucking and all of that. Right. Like, I feel like that's what that. <laughs> I feel like that's what that definition sounds like. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people have in their mind that that's what desire looks like. I mean. Um, yeah like the whole what we are what we're shown in movies and stuff like i'm not sure how many people realize that movies are really entertainment for real and not supposed to be like (laughs) put into like real life a lot of the times um and also the desire that we see in movies and the desire that we think at first when we're thinking of desire and like being turned on um is actually identified as spontaneous desire so it's the very it's very much the you see someone and boom you're ready like you about to you mm, it's given okay but a more healthy and not really talked about version of desire is called responsive desire so this is the type of desire that um at some point in your re- long-term relationships you need to understand and tap into in order to have longevity within sexual desirability within mature relationships because desire intimacy sex and all of that sexual desire it all evolves in a relationship it's not going to be the same as it was in the beginning um as it will be in the middle towards the end and all of that and everything in between um and so i feel like in order to have a healthy sexual connection and sexual relationship with your partner you need to be able to understand and tap into responsive desire Mm. um so responsive desire, an example of that would be you're hanging out with your special someone, right? Your lover. Mm-hmm. Okay. And their hands start to linger when they touch you and their eyes just like keep going to your lips and then looking up at you just like real slowly. And they have that little darkened sparkle, you know, the bedroom eyes mm-hmm. and they're alluding, you know, it's alluding to where their mind's at. And they start kissing on you. And your brain the whole time is like, ooh, okay, yeah, period, I'm <laughs> um, And you start to feel your brain and your body respond with a yes. And you respond with a yes. That is responsive desire. Mm, all right. Yeah. So it's about allowing desire to emerge in response to pleasure. So you start to receive the pleasure. And then your brain's like, ooh, this is desirable. This makes me feel desired. I, in turn, desire you. Okay, let's get things, you know, like, let's get things going. So that's what responsive desire is. Um, And I feel like there's a myth of, like, not experiencing spontaneous desire in your relationship, meaning that your relationship is not going well, or that you're losing attraction towards your lover, or that something is wrong with you sexually. And none of these things are true. It is simply alluding to an evolution of how you experience desire and pleasure with your lover. Or maybe responsive desire is how you should always experience desire, you know? Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on responsive versus spontaneous desire? I think responsive just makes it sound more realistic and more, like, mm-hmm. desirable in a way. You know, it's like that buildup, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Those weddings letting us kind of have a moment where we are touchy cutesy and like you know not teasing each other but ultimately preparing one another for that moment of connection exactly it's yeah. like foreplay yeah like it literally kind of sounds like foreplay or like not like foreplay yeah i agree with you um and in talking about desire we talked about this briefly i think in part two but to bring it back up um broadly and generally speaking, and it's important to say this disclaimer because no one is a monolith and therefore this is not an absolute truth. It's just a general broad um, statement. 
Um, so men are more responsive to genital sensations and women are more responsive to context or storytelling, if you will. Again, this is a broad general statement. That doesn't mean that there aren't women out there or female bodied people out there who are more responsive to genital and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, And when we're talking about context or storytelling, context can be defined in this moment as a combination of your external circumstances and your internal state. A great example of context is if you're already hot and heavy and in a delicious place with your partner and they bite you or choke you or slap your ass hard. And, you know, even if it stings, if it hurts a little bit, you're still going to be like, ooh, okay, Period. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, right? But versus, think of this scenario. Let's say y'all are arguing or you're stressed out or you just got home from a long day of work and you feel like gross and tired and you want to shower and they do that same thing. Ooh, I'm annoyed. Oh, period. Like, you're not going to no. respond the same. Right. Nine times out of ten, I'm willing to bet the person's going to be like, are you fucking, <laughs> are you joking? Like, are you, are you, don't, like, don't you see I'm sweating right now? I just got out of work. <laughs> Yo, like, don't you see I'm aggravating? What is wrong with you? <laughs> or, like, for example, you getting bit on the dance floor. Like, <laughs> Yo, that was that's, not okay. Exactly. So that's the idea of context. This is the idea of context. It's the external circumstances and the internal circumstances and if they're aligning or not. So that's context. And because we're talking about pleasure in a relationship, it's important to touch on sexual discordance, which sexual discordance is just the idea that there is a, a disconnect between the context in the context so there's a disconnect between your external and your internal or with your brain and your genitals which is something I feel like we have all experienced at one point or another in our long-term relationships or even just with ourselves too um or at least I know I certainly have um it's when so an example of this would be uh, it's when you're wet or erect if you're, you know, yeah. happiness, but your mind is somewhere else. Or mentally mm-hmm. you're there, like mentally you want it, but your yeah. body is just like, no. Like, it's just yeah. not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's sexual discordance. I've experienced that. I definitely had moments like that. Oh, or encountered situations yeah. like that. Yeah. And I feel like the main reason that, okay, so something that's really important to note about why sexual discordance is even possible is because there are three very separate and independent factors that are going on when we are experiencing all of this like sexual desire and all of that um when you're in a like a sexual experience or want to be there are three important and very separate factors going on there's desire genital response and pleasure and that because they are completely separate that is why sexual discordance is possible So think of genital response. So we talked about pleasure and desire. So think about genital response as being something that, um, think of it as like your genitals are responding when something sex related is happening, i.e. blood is rushing to your, your, your pussy lips, like you're getting wet or you're erect if you're a male, um, and your heart is racing and your pupils are dilating, right? All of that is happening in response to a sex-related act that is occurring. Mm-hmm. But because desire, um, genital response, and pleasure are three separate things, your genital response does not mean that you want it or you like it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just like a biological chemical kind of thing that happens. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. It's a biological response. Your body is literally doing what it's meant to do. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. sex is about to take place. Prepare for it. Now, that doesn't mean that you're receiving pleasure from what's happening. This is Mm. the reason involuntary orgasms can happen because your genitals can literally have a mind of its own, as which is to say, like, it could do a function while your brain is not enjoying the function. Mm. Um, And I feel like this is a great you know point to to give a trigger warning that later on in this 
topic, we will be talking and touching on SA. Um, and yeah, I just want to give everyone um, a little disclaimer and trigger warning about that. I'll do my best because I believe I'm the one that's editing this week. So I'll do my best to clock like when it starts um, and put like the, the timestamp in the details somewhere. So if there are people that don't want to be present for that conversation, like you don't have to be. Um, but yeah, uh, it's definitely an important conversation to have when we're talking about three, these three important components and just the idea that, um, genital, you know, responses can, uh, be a big part of like involuntary orgasms, which is something that people do experience at times during SA. So, um, and it of course goes into a bigger conversation since we are talking about pleasure in relation to relationships um so just want to give that disclaimer out there put that out there um another reason sexual discordance is possible and happens is because of things like guilt and shame around sex and sexual desires which i will go into again a little bit later on excuse me if your body is ready and wet and wanting it Um, but your mind is bogged down by like societal norms and standards or like religious indoctrinations or whatever have you, you will experience sexual discordance. So again, think of sexual discordance as a disconnect from your mind and your body. Um, Another example of sexual discordance is, let's say you're early in a relationship with a new lover and they're doing a sexual act and your genitals are responding, but you already know that, you know, through your own self-exploration, you're not into that. Like, Mm. your partner may say, or even assume, like, even if they don't say it, like, oh, you like that. Like, you know, sexual talk could be like, oh, you like that, blah, blah, blah. Or in their head, they could be affirming to themselves, like, this this is something this person likes. Um, And your genitals, of course, would suggest that you do, because you're wet, and you're ready, and all of these things, right? But... Again, that does not mean that you're experiencing pleasure. So there could be some instances where your partner's like, oh, you like that, blah, blah, blah. And you may say like, oh, yeah, you know, do your little dirty talk back. But in your head, you're like, mm-hmm. no, actually. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that's another example of sexual discordance. Um, so discordance, as you can probably guess uh, by now, can be one of the reasons it's hard to feel pleasure with a partner. This is because it's not just about turn-ons. We are much more complex than that, unfortunately, <laughs> as humans. Um, and you could also have, you know, turn-offs while you're having turn-ons. Um, in order to be fully turned on, you have to turn off the turn-offs. So I know that sounds, I know that sounds like really, <laughs> I know, I know. Humans that was double really, the turn off, right? <laughs> bro, humans are, we're really, listen, and let me, I, I'll go into it. I'll go into what does it mean to turn off your turn offs? Um, there's a mechanism in your brain that's called the dual control mechanism, which dual meaning two. The yeah. first part of the sex, the first part of the me- mechanism is called the sexual accelerator, and that you can you can change that word out with turn ons. And the second part is the sexual brakes, which you can change that word with turn offs. Um, so to turn off your turn offs would to would mean to like take your foot would mean to be sorry would mean to take your foot off of the sexual brakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, that's what it is. It literally is what it sounds like. The first part is noticing. So the first part being sexual accelerator is noticing and receiving all of the sex related information that is occurring. So the the lingering hands, the the Mm -hmm. the intense eye contact, the soft, sweet kisses on the neck or whatever, like you're receiving all of that. And so your foot is on that sexual accelerator. It's on the turn on. It's like, yes. Okay. Uh Now the second one, however, is noticing and receiving all of the information as to why not to have sex. Things Mm. that, yeah. Things like. This is when your mind's like, oh no, don't do it. Or like, oh, maybe not yet. Or like, it's too soon like that. Okay. Yeah. Or things that can be perceived as threats. 
which of course threats in today's world aren't the same as you know way back when like so i'm not talking like you know back then it was like okay a threat would be like "Mm, i see a tiger in that tree clearly right you know like (laughs) like clearly not the right time um but because our unfortunately our brain hasn't evolved um, the reptilian brain par- portion of the brain hasn't evolved as fast as like technology and our intellectual brain has. Mm-hmm. Um, so stressors today could be dirty rooms, unpaid bills, not feeling comfortable with your lover, having a bad day, fear of the state of the world. Like if you're literally afraid that the world's going to end, you know, like <laughs> these oh, are stressors <laughs> of today. So it's a lot more difficult to turn these stresses off versus like back then it's like, okay, tiger in the tree, let's go find a different place, you know, and then like, <laughs> it's done. Um, so that's, that's the problem with that's another problem with like sexual discordance, like turning off your turn offs or turning off your sexual breaks can be a little bit more tricky now. Mm, that would, yeah. Um, so the genitals, you know, may not know all of the factors that are, you know, pressing the brakes. Like your genitals are just there to do their function. Um, <laughs> just to do their brain, function. Right. Like, but your brain is giving very much like, what are you doing? You know, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why. I'm doing its job, the thinking part. Yeah. Yeah. Valid. Valid. Um, but this is why, you know, your, your genitals can be ready for sex. Um, but your brain is not ready to receive pleasure um and therefore there's a disconnect and it's really important to honor your disconnect the disconnect can be identified as um dissociating uh which you know i feel like is a term that we're all a lot more familiar with um but there's another term called spectatoring which is a term coined by masters and johnson that describes when a person is watching themselves or having an out of body experience and they are scrutinizing themselves when they're having sex mm. so it'll be like the thoughts like oh did i move my body the right way am i going to queef you know like yeah. what do i look like from this angle like stuff like that so it's like essentially your body is in the act of sex but your mind is just watching the sex as if you're not part of it damn yeah so (laughs) there's that or sometimes the thoughts can be like because again stressors now aren't the same as they were before so it could be like did i send that email um how did this person receive the text that i sent did i turn off the stove like the dog (laughs) out there ripping up the couch like you know like it's different it's different like stressors now and different things mm-hmm. that can occupy your mind but the idea is that your mind is not there with your body having sex um and also of course if you're used to dissociating like if that's a coping mechanism that people that you've generated in in yeah. life you know like something goes wrong you're like mm, i'm gonna go into my fantasy world or i'm gonna go into numbing or distracting whatever it is, that's a form of dissociating. So if you're used to dissociating in everyday life, you know, you practice how you perform. So when it comes Mm -hmm. to like even moments where you want to be fully present, it's really difficult to kind of turn off that dissociation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Another, you know, um, form of this would be um, if you have experienced sexual assault, then you also probably if you've survived um sexual assault then you also know how to dissociate probably um and that can be of course another reason for sexual disconnect or sexual discordance um but you know me i'm not going to give y'all a whole problem and not tell you a, a solution um so so listen to disassociating the solution to sexual disconnect and discordance and disassociating yes Okay. Um, can you guess what the solution may be? Being mindful and connecting back with your body. I mean, that's cute. That's definitely helpful. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely helpful. But um, not but the, the right main, answer. <laughs> I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. But the main um, solution, a really helpful solution, is one that we heard for literally everything. Um, it's communication. <laughs> it's communication. <laughs> it's how you can heal and further explore and dispel myths and limiting beliefs together um also that's how you can know what the person actually wants and likes and what their boundaries are what their triggers are 
Um, it can help you build intimacy with the person, which is a feeling of closeness, a feeling of deep connect and safety and comfort, etc. And all of those these conversations that can be had can lead to you being fully present with the person um, because all of your worries and anxieties are kind of just being soothed. And the person knows what your triggers are, so they're not accidentally triggering you. So you're not disassociating in response to those triggers, you know, like, yeah. you know. So communication yeah, yeah. doesn't have to be, like, you know, boring and strict. Like, it could be playful and sexy. Um, so I would like you to give me an example. Just off the top of your head, how can you... I'm going to give you a scenario, okay? Okay. And I want an example about how you can sexy, in a sexy, playful way, communicate something with someone, okay? Yeah. Okay. You ready? I think so. <laughs> Okay, so you and the partner, I'm going to give you two different scenarios. This is the first one. You oh. and a partner, um, you're still very new in the relationship. Um, so the desire that you guys experience is definitely the the lustful infatuation. Like when you see the person, it, you're ready for it. Like it's the spontaneous desire. You're in that phase of the relationship, right? Yeah. So you guys are in um an elevator together or a staircase together and you're the only ones and you want to press them onto that wall and have your way with them okay mm-hmm. but you want to do it consciously how would you communicate what you want to your partner in that moment in a way that's like sexy and fun and playful but also thinking... still you know is consensual Okay, I'm thinking, first off, let's, like, start rubbing on them so they get the memo of, like, where I'm heading without actually verbally having to communicate it. And then if they give me some type of sign from, like, the physical touch that they're down, then that's when I would proceed to say, like, you know, I can definitely imagine you being pinned up against that wall and me doing all that I can right now. Okay. (laughs) And if they're with it, then I think that's when it happens. Because I'm getting the signals from, like, you know, some eye contact or, like, at least a verbal, like, you know, well, baby, I'll let you do that. You can do your thing. I'm down for a type of energy. So, yeah. Yeah. You know what I liked? I liked that you went ahead and took physical signals first before you went to the next level of, like, verbal signals. That's really nice. Because that way you're not randomly like, oh, I want to put you against this wall. And the person's like, I didn't give you any. (laughs) I didn't give you any reason to say this. We all saw Like, what? That would have been mad. Like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. I like how you waited for, like, okay, this person. Okay. Let me see if they're actually on the same level as me. That's good. That's good. Okay. So, your next scenario is you and your partner have been together for, you know, for some time. Maybe let's say six months. So, you guys aren't completely cupcakey, but you're not, you know, in the, the post-evolution phase yet of your like sexual desire so it's kind of like it's it's a it's a kind of awkward middle right um and you've been wanting to try bondage since you met this person you've been wanting to tie them up but you have beliefs societal and limitating beliefs that make you fearful of being judged by your partner Mm. um a part of you may want to just try it without saying anything but you also recognize how important consent is so how are you going to go about having this conversation in a fun and sexy playful way Mm. oh okay so i'm thinking i feel like 50 shades of gray kind of did this in in one of their parts in the movie Okay. So I'm thinking, like, maybe bringing that up as a reference, like, oh, baby, you know, like, the last time you watched Fifty Shades of Grey, like, you remember when he had her tied up? So, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like, I'm trying to recreate that fantasy. Like, are you down for that? Like, what you feeling? Nice. And, and they'll be like, mm, they'll share some hesitation, you feel me? Because, you know, society got us all type of thinking this is scary crazy type of energy mm-hmm. and then i'll be like nah like you feel me like we can do it like you maybe working our way into it small gestures of like having certain parts tied up and then yeah I'll be like all right we can talk for a little too psych and let me try it <laughs> nice okay i like that communication boom communication in a way that's sexy and fun and not boring um and we love that and you know what this is hmm. a perfect segue into my next point it's another important c word um can you guess what this word is c come no <laughs> <laughs> okay immediately no okay 
the other important C word is consent. Oh, yes, consent. Very important. That's the first oh. important. Oh, my God. No, but it's really important, too, because you did start to bring it up a little bit there towards the end where the person may have hesitated a little mm. bit about the bondage. Um, but instead of, like, doing anything forceful or getting disrespectful with your talk, with how you talk to them, you were understanding that we all have our societal, you know, um, indoctrinations. And so you went mm-hmm. further into explaining and still gave them the choice to say yes or no. And that's really important. Um, so, again important c word consent and so from this point on this is where we're gonna we're gonna talk about consent and we'll probably get in i think from here um is where we start to get into sa so this is this is that um so consent is an enthusiastic acknowledgement it's a fuck yes (laughs) it's a fuck (laughs) yes okay and everything other just imagine what a fuck yes looks like like how the person reacts what their face looks like what their body looks like what they're saying it's a fuck yes and every other thing other than that is a no maybe Hmm. is a no not sure (laughs) is a no hesitation is a no if it's not a whole body loud enthusiastic fuck yes it's a no Period. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's not complicated. It's just that simple. Um, another um, important and obvious factor of consent is that the other person has to be in a state to consent, which is to say they have to be fully conscious and cognizant. So a sleeping or drunk or unconscious or high person cannot give you consent. I mean, this is simple. Didn't you watch the like the tea video in school? No tea video. You never watched the tea video? No. Oh my god. It's a mm-hmm. video for consent. Um, and it's like if you offer someone tea and they want tea, then you give them tea. If they don't want tea, <laughs> you don't go up to them and pour the hot hot tea down their throat. If they're sleeping, you do not pour hot tea down their throat. If they are caught unconscious, you do not like it's just so Yo. like but it's no. like it's consent, but in tea, and it's just like, yeah, obviously. Um <laughs> it's great it's a great video i love that video (laughs) like it's a great video and it just dumbs down the whole consent conversation in a way that's just so like duh you know and i appreciate that so definitely watch that (laughs) because it's really great and it's like two seconds long um but in that same like topic it is so important to note that legally a person cannot consent if they're under the influence. Um, again, it's the idea that if someone's like drunk as fuck and incoherent, you're not going to pour piping hot tea down their throat. You know, it just doesn't make no sense. Right. Um, so being mindful of that, because like, I feel like in our society, that's one of the gray areas that we have, like having sex while drunk and high and stuff like that is definitely a gray area. But it, again, is important to have that in the back of your head that legally a person cannot consent while being under the influence um that is a law um so just you know of course again it's a gray area so if you are with the person and you guys i don't know have your wine dates often and you know that you both know you're gonna have sex afterwards like you know there's a lot of gray areas in that um but consent is both or all parties enthusiastically saying yes this is something we all want to do Okay, while being fully aware and present and able to make that decision and consent, like everything else in this freaking life, in this human experience (laughs) is fluid, (laughs) meaning it is susceptible to change. Um, You can consent in one moment and the very next change your mind. You could be down to do something one day and the very next day you decide you're not into it. And all of that is okay, and it needs to be respected um it is also very 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 important and necessary to touch on another aspect of consent in SA how sometimes a lot of us have harmful self-talk and limiting beliefs that tell us um I have to fuck him or her for them to stay with me or I'm not worthy if they want to fuck them if they want to fuck me just let them stuff like that like Mm. those type of thoughts um, I remember personally, um, there was a time when um, me and my former partner were, I wanted to have um, sexual contact with him, but I didn't want penetration. 
Um, and I did say that beforehand. Uh, mm-hmm. But during the, the like, sexual contact, um, I tried to, like, do a little dirty talk. Like, oh, what do you want? Blah, blah, blah. And the person yeah. said, like, oh, what I want is what you told me I can have. And in my head, mm. instead of just staying firm to what I had said before, because that day I was just feeling a little bit more triggered than usual um Mm -hmm. but I still wanted to be a human like I still wanted to experience my sexual identity um Mm -hmm. but instead of just staying adhering to my boundary that I had placed I had you know it um and that was one of the times that I actually did get triggered during sex um and Mm -hmm. I remember afterward I was crying because I was like I should have just like you know stuck with what I wanted to do and what I said but in my head um, I kind of went into fawning, which is um, a fight or flight response that isn't talked about. There's actually four. And one of them is fawning, which is a people pleaser. Essentially, you people please. So instead of like, you know, staying hard on my boundary, um, I went into like, oh, fine, let's just do it. Um, and so that's one of those experiences where we kind of put ourselves in um, a situation to kind of um, not so much be taken advantage of, even though in some cases that can be what happens, but also where we're not um, advocating for ourselves the way that we maybe know that we should. Um, and in those instances where your mind kind of takes over, whether it's people pleasing and fawning or having worthiness or having those limiting beliefs about like having to give sex to your, your partner in order for them to stay with you like don't believe those thoughts you are worthy Mm -hmm. of consent and of being a fully autonomous and sovereign being and having the ability to say no or not right now as you please and any person who would leave you or treat you less than because you said no or not right now just simply isn't deserving of you or your temple to begin with you are worthy of love and respect and appreciation without sex and you are worthy of sex that is pleasurable to you as much as it is to your lover you are worthy mm-hmm. and deserving period yes you are oh. mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah there's that's a it's a again there's a lot of trait gray areas with like the human experience because of how complex we are and how complex the experience is um and yeah that's that's definitely a form of like you know self-harm and self-sabotage um so it's definitely something to be aware of but uh we do not make people or convince people to do things that's another important aspect of consent we do not talk um to them like disrespectfully or degrade what they want or don't want and we don't try to convince people that is really important because convince and coercion is a very like there's a very thin line between the two um we talk to our partners about our desires and our wants and our needs and we allow them to express whether or not they want to or are comfortable with experiencing those things or experimenting with those things if they are not um, and that desire is important to you and your pleasure and your overall sexual well-being, then it is okay to walk away from the relationship. Or you can have like creative conversations about creative solutions, like maybe opening up your sexual relationship or investing in self-pleasure toys that can give you that same, like it can fulfill that desire without the partner having to do it. Um, or... I don't know, other, there are other creative ways to that you can come to a solution in which both parties or all parties involved are being respected and valued and what they want and don't want is being respected and valued. Um, but again, coercion, convincing is never ever allowed or consensual or okay, period. <laughs> Why you laugh? No, just because the way he was like, period. You cannot do any of those things. Mm. not allowed because mm-hmm. i feel like that's one of the biggest things in our like sexual education that they don't 
hone in on like the fine line between coercion and convincing the fine line between convincing and manipulation and just realizing that convincing someone means that they don't want to do it like (laughs) I yes I feel like that's not talked about I feel like it's overlooked because that's all the gray area like that's where it comes into like the how are you going about it what was their state of mind what was your intention behind it why are you doing that like you know there's so much into it that I think that's why oftentimes they're not talking about it and that's why Oftentimes out of 10, that's how motherfuckers is doing the stuff they shouldn't be doing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, but even if it is gray, like the conversation of consent needs to be had. And Mm -hmm. and if it's so difficult to have that you need to open it up so people can ask those what if questions, those gray area questions, then so be it. But like completely avoiding the topic of consent overall is so harmful. And it's mostly harmful towards women and girls. Um, I wrote down the statistic um, that one in three women and one in five girls experience sexual ta- trauma in their lifetime. Oh, damn. One in three. One in three. So just think about yourself in a room, a room full of women um, and counting one, two, three. And every third person, you it mentally circle. And just think yeah. about how many people in that room have experienced a sexual trauma. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that does not count the societal conditioning of submission in women and girls in consenting to unwanted sexual behaviors because of feelings of obligation. In other words, it does not count the women and girls who don't consider themselves sexually assaulted because they have such strong beliefs about feeling like they have to, that they're obligated to fulfill um, a man's sexual desires. So a lot of people, unfortunately, um, don't know they're sexually assaulted in one form or another until they're having a conversation about it. And someone raises a red flag someone says actually that is not okay Um, because we're so deeply ingrained as women and girls that our body is not ours that our body is to be objectified and to be used for the pleasure of men um so yeah that is an unfortunate truth yes um my next point after that was that I wanted to get a little uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. and allow that statistic to sit and settle because I think too many times in these type of conversations, uh, we as a society are afraid of letting the moment get heavy and, you know, deal with that heaviness or sit with that heaviness. But this is, you know, this is heavy stuff and it's a heavy statistic. Um, and it's an unfortunate truth. Um mm-hmm. But the way of going about fixing it or dealing with it or facing it isn't to avoid it or to brush over it or to, like, talk about it really fast and then continue on. Um, so that's why I do think while, you know, talking about essay and stuff like that is can be very triggering and is heavy and is a lot to deal with and face and hold, um, it's still very necessary. Um, but yeah, where is the next point? I said this statistic is scary and heavy. It's scary when being a woman is a threat, uh, when being born as a woman in, or being born in a woman's body or a female body is a threat in a society and world you were born into that you didn't even want to get born into, you know, and it's just really unfortunate. Um, this is also why communication is important because as someone who um, experienced sexual traumas, the conversations you may really need to have with your partner is what do you need? Um, it is a, a constant question and the conversation will always evolve as you evolve and as you heal more of your sexual traumas, your triggers, as you free yourself from the pain and memories and traumas. Um, and also it just it reminds us all that while these conversations are very important to have with our partners um, and with ourselves, definitely, it could be very helpful to have these conversations with a licensed therapist. Um, and uh, really, because it's always nice to know what it is you need to heal um, and to have that awareness. But 
sometimes a licensed therapist can provide directions and guidance and action points on how to go about implementing what you know or what you're now aware of that, you know, maybe a partner or yourself couldn't do. Um, It's also important to have these conversations and to recognize um, the statistics of SA and to, you know, talk about that now because trauma informs how we approach all life experiences and can be one of the barriers of, you know, to feeling pleasure and feeling connected to our bodies. And obviously to feel pleasure, we have to feel connected to our bodies. We have to want to feel connected to our bodies. Um, but yeah, that's one of the main things. Um, and to start to pivot the conversation, I wanted to know what's the advice you'd give your younger self as pertaining, pertaining to this topic? Mm. To uh, stay firm in the know. And mm. I think um, immediately my mind went to those, that moment you kind of shared with your um, past partner where you kind of caved in. I've had a lot of moments like that as younger me and really just like staying firm in what feels comfortable in my body and in that know and knowing that I don't have I'm not there to please somebody else. I'm not I'm mm. to step away from the objectifying my body at mm. like I'm here to literally do a job for someone else for the other person in the bedroom yeah. with me, you know? Um and mm. to know and I just wish younger me had more knowledge um, or a chance to have a conversation around essay and the different forms of what essay looks like and not what media portrayed it to be. Mm. Um, just because, you know, looking back, I think there's a lot of moments I've had um, or I've heard stories of where I could have been an ally to somebody else or even myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just those moments. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think... What advice would I give my younger self? Mm. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things would be to remember that self-love is an act of rebellion against a system and a society um, that really, um, what is it? What's the word that I'm looking for? Um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. Against a society that, um, fuck, what is the word that I'm looking for? Not capitalizes off of, but, um, benefits, Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. That benefits you. off of, like, me not loving myself and me having a fear of, being my true self, of being in my body, of being a woman in this society, um, of being feminine in this society. Like, this, we're always ingrained since fucking the womb that femininity is evil, is bad, is weak, is less than, etc. And so self-love is an act of rebellion. But I'd also tell my younger self that my body is a site of liberation. My body is a site of love and deep healing and transformation and breaking of generational curses and traumas, I'd remind myself that not all of the pain that I hold is mine to hold um, mm-hmm. because of being an empath, but also because um, we're healing from seven generations back minimum. And so I'm holding the pain of my great, 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 greats. you know? So it's like, not all of it is mine and allowing myself to release what is not serving me, what is not of my highest good what is not mine to hold to begin with um and realizing that the healing that I choose to do because time is you know a construct because time is not real the healing that I choose to do now not only heals me in the present but it also heals my future and my past and the past of the generations that I'm also holding pain of um and I, but another huge thing that I want to tell myself is to have grace and patience with myself because this journey is exactly that. It's a journey. And the best way to be on a journey is to fall in love with it. Um, so just have grace and patience. Yeah. I know my young self will look at me like, girl, you lie. Bye. They're <laughs> <laughs> definitely going to be believing you, but I think looking back, I'm going to be like, okay, grace and patience. Like, that one stick for me. Okay. <laughs> um, 
yeah so that's really um what I wanted to talk about that really closes off our uh pleasure part three um pleasure in relation to relationships um the reason I wanted to, you know, make sure that we got to this part three and just talk about this as a whole, pleasure as a whole, is because I want to live in a world which everyone has access to their authentic pleasure. Um, and I think a world in which everyone has that access is a world in which everyone has a choice about when and how and by whom they are touched, how they feel about their own bodies, how they identify, how they decorate and express their bodies, how they share pleasure with others. Um, I think it's a world full of autonomous, sovereign, and fully liberated people. And that's a world that I want to live in and be a part of. And the whole idea of, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world isn't always connected to big global radical um like action sometimes it is as um seemingly small as you know reconnecting to your pleasure reconnecting to your body and I say seemingly small because I don't think any action is actually small um but yeah I want to be a part of a world in which people can access their pleasure um yeah So that's why I thought it was important to have these conversations and talk about pleasure. This does conclude the three series part of pleasure. Um, I'm excited to go into like sexual liberation and body dysmorphia next. Um, Deja, are there any thoughts, anything you want to share, touch on, say before we close this out? I'd say thank you for your knowledge and your interest in this because as someone who co-hosts this podcast with you, this has definitely been helpful in me starting my journey with pleasure in myself and also just gaining knowledge on what's happening out there sexually, um, what's happening in my body, what um, certain essays, what certain essay actions look like and what categorizes them as that. Mm. Um, So thank you. And I'm excited for the next episode. You know, you dropped a little hint on what's to come, but yeah, <laughs> I'm excited for honestly, this, this like, minor major topic subcategory, however you want to categorize it, um, mm-hmm. unfolding and seeing where it takes us because the views have been showing the listeners love this stuff. Yes. Oh, yes. I love that. Nice. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to us. As always, feel free to reach out to us with comments, questions, ideas, things you want to hear more of. Um, And we appreciate you. Have a great week. Take care. Be easy. Bye. Bye.